Ephesians chapter 5. A man in Christ's bride, and we looked at that last week. A man and his bride, and Christ and his bride. Something of a message for a, a wedding tonight. But we're not having a wedding tonight. <laughs> we have different things and something that in counselling, premarital counselling, that we can give. It's scriptural. And so the outline, if you've got it there in the bulletin, the, the loose leaf page, you follow on. And as we do each Wednesday, we add a bit into the broader outline and do the details. And it's under um, some principles of the marriage relationship, a man and Christ's bride. And we see the picture of leaving, the picture of cleaving, the picture of weaving, and the picture of caring in, uh, in the marriage, in a Christian marriage and in the marriage of the church to the Lord. And so we'll be looking at more the marriage of the church to the bride of Christ and, and our responsibility because we're part of this wedding, you know, we're the, we're the bride and we need to do what's right. Uh, let's pray before we look at these few verses. Thank you, Lord, for the thoughts from your word that we gather and many scriptures can be added to, um, to encourage us to walk as would a holy bride walk and a bride preparing for marriage uh, keep herself for that day and walk to please our master, the Lord Jesus, our bridegroom. Lord, bless the thoughts tonight and may we all go away better for your word tonight in Jesus name amen <clears throat> the picture first of all of leaving for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother uh, some <laughs> have gone through the empty nest syndrome or whatever they call it but uh, the children usually come back or around and it's a blessing to have them it should be <laughs> A blessing to have them and so we have the picture of leaving now when we liken that to a Christian as far as believing on the Lord Jesus Christ what do we leave the the old things so okay well we leave what are some of the old things then <laughs> well the old things would be our former conversation or manner of living our old style of life that we used to live. Love not the world, the old things. Because we've been married to another. We've been brought with a price. We're to glorify God in our bodies. It tells us in Corinthians. Over in First John chapter 3, the well-known verses there on separation. Love not, no, chapter, chapter 2 verse 15, love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We, we quote these verse, this verse all the time. But what are those three things? The lust of the flesh. What you want? Selfishness then? We could... Put it as yes. Appeasing the old nature. Yes, appeasing the old nature, the flesh, the flesh, feeding the flesh. Yeah. 
so anything else that, that literally means. You know, we're to eat, but we're not to glutton. We're to drink, but not to get, not to be a drunkard. I mean, not. No, I, I, you can take that the wrong way. <laughs> drink, non-strong, non-strong drink. But there's all sorts of things we could go overboard in, as far as the flesh is concerned, isn't there? There are. There are things we could keep. We, yeah, the, you can go to shops nowadays, there's shops everywhere that have so many things, you just say, yeah, yeah, I see how it, what it's used for, and it'd be nice to have it, but it becomes clutter, doesn't it? It becomes stuff in the cupboards, and sometimes even have to throw it out years later with never using it, having never used it. Lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Most temptations come through the eyes, don't they? The lust of the eyes. These things, we've left the world. Just as a bride will leave her family's, her family, her parents, and be married to her husband, we have left the world. Just like the Jews left Egypt, got out of Egypt. But Egypt didn't get out of them, and that's the problem, even with Christians. Us Christians, we leave Egypt, the world, but the world doesn't leave us because we drag that stuff stuff with us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What, what is something in our country where people are so proud about all the time? It's on the television, takes up half the news. If you have a television, watch the, try and watch the news. Sports. It's the pride of life, you know, winning. And, and, and you hear about this fellow's broken his knee and broken his leg and this fellow's done that and that fellow's done that. Ah, well, you know, what about all the other people that broke their knees and legs too, working hard on a job? But these people just do it for pride's sake. And they're so they're often what we possess, how much we accumulate, the pride of life. Uh, you know, the, the, these people that are up there look down at us who are rab the rabble <laughs> and say, oh, you haven't got what we've got. What have you done wrong in your life? That's what the, the pride of life. Leave these things behind. Don't worry about them. They're not going to matter for eternity. Leave them. And cleave to the Lord. <clears throat> As Romans 12.2 tells us, be not conformed to the world. Leave the world. Don't be conformed. Don't let it force you into its mould, in other words. Um, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. You know, the, the unsaved people walk in darkness. But now we've left the world. We walk in light. Um, Matthew six nineteen, Lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, not on earth. You know, the, the, these are the things. That, the leaving so that we might cleave. And if we don't leave properly, we won't cleave properly. We won't get as attached. And, and that is so in a marriage relationship. If, if both don't leave and cleave and they have other interests and other people, whether it be other men or women, it depends on which one you are, and then there's a problem, isn't there? 
They have a lust in their heart for something. And, and the Lord, as our husband, looks at us and says, what do you got that's better than me? Or what do you got that's attracting you to them more than to me? And so we need to love the Lord by leaving the world. And then cleaving, it says, well, that's not in Ephesians. It's, it's there, but it doesn't use the word and shall be joined to his wife. Cleaving. And this is in Matthew 19 and verse 5. You could put that, well, I'll just read it for you. Matthew 19 and verse 5, that well-known portion there about marriage. And it reads, For he said, and said, For this cause shall a man, and this is back quoting from Genesis, shall leave, his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife. And cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. The cleaving. <clears throat> Remember in, in John's Gospel, chapter 6, and the Lord is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And many, therefore, of his disciples, in verse 60, when they heard, heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And many went and followed him no more. And as it reads in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They'd, they stopped the cleaving, didn't they? They'd left, but for wrong reasons. Their motive and reason was wrong. And from that time they left him. They didn't cleave. And then said Jesus unto his twelve, Will you go also? Are you going to go away? Simon answered him with a, a classic, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We're going to cleave to you. You've got the words. You are the son of God. You're the one that we've decided to follow. As Christians, that should be so, shouldn't it? As a husband and wife, it should be. But we're likening it to Christian and uh, the Christian and the Lord, the bride and the bridegroom. To whom shall we go? We can run off from our Christian experience and say there's better things out there and after a while realise maybe 10 or 20 years this is wrong. Or we get to the end of our life and say, oh, I wasted it. Let's cleave to the Lord. There is nobody else. In a day to come when the world's on fire, when everything's going wrong, people will realise there's only one to cleave to. They cry for the rocks to fall on them as we were taught. But... That doesn't hide them from the face of him that sits on the throne, does it? Cleave to the Lord. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. <clears throat> As a, well, verse 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little while in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you unto one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. There you go. <laughs> You're espoused to one. Don't mess around with another. That's what Paul said. And this is the Christian life. He's saying that I've, I've married you to Christ. I've espoused you. You'll be, you're gonna, you know, the wedding one day is coming. I present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, 
A non-virgin is one that's messed with another. Christians who mess with the world and stay attached are like a non-virgin. It's like you're, you're wanting to be married to two and not leave the ones behind. And Paul said, oh, you're a chaste virgin for Christ and him alone. Cleave to him. And Romans 8 speaks about it. We won't turn there. Verse 28, right through to the end of the chapter about the eternal security of the believer. And he's going to cleave to us. <laughs> he's going to be faithful to us. The Jews weren't faithful to the God. The church is being unfaithful to him. Christians are unfaithful to him. But he's going to cleave to us. And he's not going to let us go. What shall separate us from the love of God? <laughs> he will cleave to us at all times. And he'll cleave to us when we're unfaithful. And that's proven in the book of Hosea, isn't it? When Hosea, Hosea's wife was so unfaithful to him, yet he was faithful to her. And there was a picture of God and Israel. He's, he, God is still going to be faithful to Israel, though it has apostatized and has been unfaithful and not a virgin for him. Uh, you know, what is it in Jeremiah saying? They were neighing after, like a stallion in a paddock, neighing, neighing after his neighbor's wife. Uh, the other mayor in the other paddock and he said that's what you're like Israel I mean it's pretty graphic language isn't it well, if you put it in our language it's probably the bull in one paddock and the heifers in the other paddock and bellowing and, and all the bulls are fighting uh, I remember them at the farm that we had black pole bulls and you'd sit there and watch them <laughs> fighting and they'd get right back and then they'd charge at each other kind of lamb in the head oh, I thought that hurt doesn't seem to, they go back again and do it again. But what are they neighing after their neighbours? Christians, God looks down and this is what he, he, he considers, people who do not leave and cleave. And then verse 31 again, and, and weave, weave. Hmm. And they too shall be one flesh. They, they weave together in their life as the Lord should in ours. <laughs> Let's turn to Colossians 2 and verse 19. <clears throat> Colossians 2:19, and there reads, "And not holding the head from whom all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit, knit together, increaseth with the increase of God." Weaving, knit together, weaving together, the, uh, as the threads are, we are knit together with Christ, with each other, to make the bride of Christ. And as has often been said on the, on the front, on the, we see the backside of the weaving of the, you know, the, the things that are the threads that are hanging out. But the Lord looks on the other side. He's weaving it together. He's been weaving the church together for almost 2,000 years. In 2030, three, it'll be about 2,000 years, won't it? Well, no, you take the four years, we're four years out off that. So 2029, it'll be, for 2,000 years he's been weaving this garment called the church, knitting it together, giving it the right people, giving it the talented people, giving it all these things, nourishment from heaven above putting people into place as Corinthians tells us yeah, God by his spirit places them here there and all over to, to make a local church with all the faculties that it has being people weaving it together, knit together 
if you if you drop a stitch, nobody does that anymore, do they? Because that's done by the machines now. You, if you're knitting a jumper, Mrs. Don, yep, you, you used to knit or still knit, mm -hmm. and you drop a stitch. You have a hole, <laughs> that's right. And what do you have to do if you want to get rid of the hole? <laughs> Put a button in it, did he? <laughs> you have to keep pulling it until it all comes undone again and you keep pulling it or wrapping it up into the ball again. And if it's way back halfway in the jumper. Was that a button he put in there or what? Button, yeah. I thought he might have said weld it up or something like that. <laughs> no, that's right. We'd have some holy jumpers. <laughs> but uh, you know, in the church, it's knit together, isn't it? And if there's a problem somewhere, the Lord unstitches it <laughs> until He can stitch it up from the start again to that point. Locally, in churches, that's what He does. He, yeah, and and folk. You know of people that have fallen out of fellowship. And when they leave, there's a hole in the church, isn't there? Yeah. Like when a, when a family member dies, there's a hole in the family. In the family of the church of the Lord, when somebody goes missing through worldliness or not leaving or not cleaving to the Lord, there is a hole. And there's, a, there's, there's talents missing, there's abilities missing, and someone has to fill up the gap. And so we need to be weaved together. One, one flesh in the marriage relationship is we become one flesh. And then the last thing is the caring aspect. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just read verse 27, then we'll go to 32. <clears throat> Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. Now, he's talking to virgins in the context here from verse 25. Are you bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. And seek unmarried, in other words. <laughs> Don't get married, and the reason was there's big troubles coming, and Paul could see it. Into the church, Nero was putting his foot down on Christians, and there's going to be great persecution, which there was. And Jerusalem will be destroyed, and all the things that happened. There were scattered Christians everywhere. But over in verse 32, so there's some practical reasons why, why to be to remain single at that time. But in verse 32, but I would have you without carefulness he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord how he may please the Lord but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife that's just going to happen and <laughs> if it doesn't happen if you don't care for the things of the world in relation to your family What'll happen to your family? It'll come unstitched. It could come unglued. But the one that is unmarried can care for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. 
is um, where do we get to? In verse, um, end of verse 33, 34, there is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. So, <laughs> in the Christian marriage, there is a caring one for another. There should be a caring, otherwise there will be a parting. And uh, care one for, uh, and both giving that into the marriage relationship. As far as Christians are concerned, if we have things that occupy us, and marriage is one of those things that will occupy us and you've got to spend the time on it, then you can't spend the time you could on the Lord and his work. That's what it's saying in these verses. Whether it be a man or a woman, it says that there. And that's why, uh, could Paul say this? Yeah. With complete authority and back up by my life. Because he, he was single. And he said, I can, I, can, I can go places, I can do things that I wouldn't take a wife. I could, I could he said to, about Peter, he said, I could do what Peter has. He, he, he takes his wife with him. And it, she, she went with him to wherever he went to minister. It, it mentions that in the scripture. So there's the caring. And we can care as much as we can commit to the Lord in time, but meeting our obligations to other people and the marriage of the children, if you've got children, you've got to care for them. As I, I say, well, I said to Andrew, that um, you, you're another one you've got to care for. Your responsibility. <laughs> it is. It's the responsibility of children. That, um, and I said, say to people in that case, and anyone that's got children, you, if you don't care for your family, you're not going to be able to care for the church because your family could fall apart. And you've got to take that in consideration. It's one of those things the Bible talks about in Titus and Timothy, is it not? And so here's some things that we can take from Ephesians in relation to the marriage relationship, in relation to the Lord and the church and our relationship to him as, as his children. Nevertheless, Paul said in the last verse, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, just as Christ loved the church. And the wife see that you reverence her husband. If you might not want to make this work, do this, Paul said. <clears throat> the great mystery. And we'll look at that thought next week, the mystery of the church. The conclusion there, nevertheless, let every one of you love. Paul brought this discussion of the Christian as a partner to a close to a close by restating the principles of the marriage relationship in, in practical terms. Considering marriage to be analogy, an, an, an analogy to the mystical relationship between Christ and the church is interesting and inspiring. It puts a, a great emphasis and a, a responsibility upon us. The husband and wife relationship is a practical matter it's worked out on earth here uh, through ups and downs of life. Um, <clears throat> pray that it's working and may work to the glory of God for each one of us. But love 
There, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, husbands. And in Titus 2, 4, it talks about the, the wives loving the husbands as well, even as himself. And the wife sees that she reverence her husband. Where, where might you go to find the thing that there was an example given in the New Testament of a wife reverencing her husband? I thought I wrote it down somewhere. What, what, what book is it in? <laughs> It's in Peter, where Abraham, Sarah, and the relationship there was talked about. And so that's, um, you can cross-reference that with the Ephesians. It's in Peter, you, you, you'll find it there. <laughs> I looked it up today and haven't written it down here. <laughs>